such a typical man if you would ever see one I mean so many of us we don't want to go to the doctors even if our bone is sticking out blood is dripping and we're hurt and how many wives would say just go to the hospital because it's irritating right that's what happens and, and sometimes we have to go not because we want to go but because the wife says you must go because I don't want to deal with your crying anymore now I'm just speaking out of myself you may be different as you know most husbands probably don't even have to deal with that kind of stuff but usually we take a long time just to go to the hospital because we always say this, oh, the doctor just going to tell me what I already know. And then I got to pay one bill. And that could be true or it could be that there is something seriously wrong. The Bible puts it this way, that Jesus came not for those who were well, but for those who were sick. Church is more like a hospital than it is a country club. It's not where we all come together and hang out. We come because we're not doing well on the inside. And that's why we want to continue in this series, going from hurt or dealing with hurt, so that we can find hope. We all are going to deal with hurts. But we want to find hope, not just be hurt all our lives. You know, a church is built up of different types of people. It's not the walls. As Pastor Charlie was saying, yes, we have a beautiful facility, but what makes church work well is the people. That we all have different gifts and talents and that when we work together as the body of Christ, then we can go from hurt to hope. He puts different people into place. He puts servants, those that know how to drive vans, know how to love children, know how to cook, know how to clean and serve. He also puts pastors together and teachers. Uh, one of the things that I've seen in this church that God has continuously brought people so that they could find him and go from hurt to hope. But one of the people that are instrumental in this is a man by the name of Pastor Jerry Aldridge, and he led worship this morning. Uh, there's a season that Pastor Jerry was with us, and actually today is his last day uh, serving here. He's going to be moving to Oahu, but I just wanted to call him up, and Ninia, if you could come up. We just wanted to honor you today, and thank you for you serving here. Ten years they've been here. And uh, so you can come, come. Yeah. Don't be, don't be scared, Pastor Jerry, because when you lead worship, you're all over the place, so you don't have to, don't have to be so shy. But uh, Pastor Jerry and Ninia, they've been serving here, or been here probably about 10 years maybe. 
but they're going to be transitioning to a new season in their life. They're going to be on Oahu. Pastor Jerry will be serving at another church, Assembly of God, and we're probably doing not what you've been doing here, but probably more. So be prepared for that. I'm not trying to be prophetic or anything like that, but you have many gifts and talents and especially a heart for God. So I wouldn't see why God wouldn't continue to use you in that way. But he's been with us for a while, and we just wanted to say thank you and pray over them as they head into this next season of their life. Uh, I know your daughter, Samantha, is here, so we wanted to say thank you for being here too, Samantha. Thank you. She serves with Art Sepulveda at Word of Life on Oahu. So what a, what a wonderful family. So if you would just stretch your hand forward, we're going to pray over these, this beautiful couple right here. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Jerry and Enea. Uh, for the season that you had them here with us and serving in this capacity, they will always be family. This will always be their home. They are always welcomed here. And so we ask that you would continue to use them in a greater way, that you would pave the way before them. And this next chapter of their lives, Lord, would succeed the chapter before, that they would build upon everything that you have already done in and through them. We pray for their family, Samantha and Kalani, that you would build your family. And that the kingdom of God would advance because of their family and what you're going to do through Pastor Jerry. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen. 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 Can we thank both of them? Thank you, Nina. Love you. Thank you. Love you. Oh, we got a lay. Thanks, Samantha. Thank you. Well, you can open your bulletin and take out your notes with us as we continue of this series, Being a City on a Hill. Uh, you also will see this in there. It's a way for you to know uh, who you're voting for and please vote you know next week and in fact you can already do walk-in votings some of you have already done that and that's a good thing some of you are on the fence I don't know who to vote for I just can go for whoever sounds good don't do that do your homework go and study and and look at what these candidates stand for their values and and uh, what they're shooting for and what they believe we can't vote party anymore. You know, before we could vote party because of the belief and the values that we had, but it, it's so different now in our world today. So you got to look at what that person is, is uh, believing in and, and what they value. And so vote accordingly, and then I want to encourage you to vote. Don't be like those people that say, oh, everything's messed up, so that's why I don't vote. That's why it's messed up, because you don't vote if it is messed up, but uh, we want to do our very best and do our part in this great nation to cast our vote because every person's vote matters, okay? So encourage each other to do that. Do your homework, take a look at this, and then you'll see that there is so much that we can still gain as we work together as a community. As Pastor Charlie was saying, yes, this week we do not have our pumpkin party, and it may almost seem sad, but there are great things happening in our community so be the light that God has caused you to shine so that when you go out into the world, you can be Jesus to everyone out there. Uh, pray for safety for all of our children and families uh, this weekend. But uh, we want to focus on our Sunday mornings and our Wednesday nights, and that's been going well. So that's why we don't have our pumpkin party this year. And then for many of you who used to come and serve on our pumpkin party night, you're wondering, well, what do I do? Go be with your family and go have a good time and, and be safe out there. Today, as we talk about hurt, uh, turning uh, hope for hurt, we want to look at how God does that because it can almost seem like how, does, how do we find hope from hurt? We, we, we're all going to deal with some type of hurt as we grow in life. We're going to have some bad times and some good times. And most of the times when we talk about hurt, 
many of us will look at bad things. But there is more than just bad hurt. There is also good hurt. We were on Oahu, and we were at this hotel, Heidi and I, and we were there with our youngest son, Jordan, and he and I went down to the fitness center, and so we're exercising, and we're there, and my son, Jordan, you know, he's just like a, he's just this uh, changed man, you know, he goes to college, and he starts lifting weights, and, you know, he's, he's building up his muscles, so when he comes home, he's like, oh, dad, I challenge you, arm wrestle, I said, I challenge you, punch your face, so we'll challenge and different things like that, and, uh, but he comes home, and so we're at the fitness center, and no, I didn't say that to him, I'm a good, I, I don't do that to my children, so we're at the fitness center, and and I'm, 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 you know, doing different um, exercises and on the machines. And he's, he's with the dumbbells, you know. He grabs the biggest ones and he's with his headphones. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, but uh, easy. And so he tells me, he goes, Dad, how come you're on that machine? And I said, oh, I, I, that's how I, you know, work on this machine. I, you know, it's good for my abs. He goes, junk that machine. I'll show you how. Do this one. So he gets this mat and he says, okay, go on this mat, sit down, and do this exercise. He gives me a dumbbell. And then he holds it, and then, you know, you go from side to side, and you got to hold up your legs. He says, do this one for about, you know, 20, 25 times. So I said, oh, okay. I sit down, and I'm like, <clears throat> and I'm, my legs are kicking all over the place. I said, I can't do this. It's hard. It's awkward. He goes, it's supposed to be. I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's supposed to be hard. you you, you got to keep practicing. I said, okay, okay, I'll keep practicing. And then I'm doing this other thing with dumbbells. He goes, what you doing? I said, what you like? He said, no, do them like that. Do him like this, move. So he sits on the, on, the, on the inclined bench. He says, hold him with two hands. And just go straight. I said, okay, move, move. Get out of the way. Watch out. So I sit down and so I, I grab his dumbbells. I'm like, too heavy those ones. Gravity. So I get these other ones. And, and so I'm doing these the way he taught me. And as, as I'm doing this, now it hurts. And I said, I don't want to do that. It hurts. He goes, supposed to hurt. I said, what do you mean supposed to hurt? He goes, yeah, because you was doing them wrong before. You do them right. Going to hurt a little while. But I tell you what, in the end, you're going to bulk up. I, said, I don't want to bulk up. I just want to exercise. And I thought about that. It's true. If you're doing something wrong, it's going to hurt in the beginning. It's because your muscles don't have the proper memory for it. And so as you do it correctly, you're going to go through that hurtful season. But then you'll get better as you go. And so when we were done, I, it, it kind of made sense. And, and so I told him, I said, thank you for, you know, showing me the correct way. Now move out of my way before I give you lickings. And he was good with that. But that, I think in that kind of way, it happens to us spiritually and in our lives. We may go through hurts that are not good for us, but then there are also good hurts. When God says, this is what I want to do in your life, it may not feel good at that time. Because we're changing. We're doing things correctly. And we may go through hurts not because we did something wrong, but because we're doing something correct. We may just have to go through that season. And sometimes it's hurtful because we have to make difficult decisions. Then I'm going to follow Jesus so certain people may not understand and they may get hurt from you. Sometimes you unintentionally go through a hurt or unintentionally hurt someone else. But we're looking forward to hope. We're not trying to hurt or go through a hurt. It's just a result of what we go through. And then there are bad hurts. Sometimes we go through a difficult season or a, a tough hurt. We don't want to stay there. We want to head towards hope. And that's what the Bible wants to teach us, that church is like a hospital. We all come with our hurts. Some of us came to know Jesus out of a hurt. 
but now we have hope because we found him. We may go through struggles financially or relationally, but we find hope in him. And sometimes we ask questions of God and we say, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening out in Pune? Why is the lava doing this? Why are these things happening? And, and it's okay to ask questions. But we don't ask questions just for questions' sake. We want to find hope. And so we continuously ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. We, all, we ask questions all the time. Our children ask us questions all the time. I ask Heidi questions all the time. The other night, uh, we came into the house and we were unloading the car, you know, with groceries and whatever we had. And then as we're done, Heidi says, oh, I need my iPad. My iPad is in the car. And since you still have your shoes on, can you go get the iPad for me? I said, sure. Well, where is it? What am I, what am I getting? She says, well, uh, my iPad, I need it to do some things, so I got to go on the internet. I said, okay, so where is it? She said, it's in the car. It's in the front. It's, you know that front compartment? I said, yeah. She goes, it's right there. Uh, it's in my bag. You know the bag that I used, the, the white one? I said, yeah, okay, got it. So, so what am I getting? She says, go get my bag. I said, that's all you have to say. Just tell me, go get your bag. I don't need to know what, what's in it or whatever. If, if there's something you need in it, just tell me what you need. And she says, no, I, I'm letting you know where it is. I said, okay. So I got the bag and came back. And I thought about that. Because if it was a man telling a man what to get, all we say is, hey, can get my bag. We'll stay in the front. Thank you. When we're done. But for some reason, when it's between a man and a woman, you get the bag size. It was on sale. You know, do you know which bag? It's the one with all the pockets inside. Oh, by the way, there's a coffee stain on it. You get all these questions and, and all these answers, and you forget what you're even talking about. So, you have a man version and then a wife version. But then on the man side, sometimes we'll say, why didn't you just tell me straight? And then they do, and then we come back, and then we say, so where is your, where is your iPad? Oh, it's in my bag. Where is it in the, in the car? It's in the front. Why never tell me that in the first place? You see how it works? We're all messed up. <laughs> we say get straight to the point. They do, but then we have questions, and then we didn't ask, so we didn't even know what to ask sometimes, and they want to answer us, but they can't because we didn't ask. But we don't like asking questions because we don't want to talk. So now you have two people trying to get to the same goal. When we go through hurts, we all want the same goal. We want hope. But in order for us to get hope, we got to ask the questions. We always ask questions. Questions are okay. Have you ever been around a two-year-old? Oh, my goodness. The questions. We have, we have this uh, mat in our kitchen. It's a, you know, the, one of those soft mats that you can stand on while you wash dishes. So you're, you have this mat, and we have oranges on it. Now, my oldest grandson, Jaden, he was, I don't know, maybe two at that time, and he'll always say, what is this? It's an orange. What is this? It's, that's an orange. What is this? It's an orange. What is that? They're all oranges. That's all there is on this mat, oranges. And every day he would ask us the same question over and over and over. You almost feel like saying, that's an orange, okay? Don't you get it? It's an orange. But you can't do that because you're the papa and you got to be patient and kind and you love them. So you just keep saying, orange, it's an orange, it's an orange, it's an orange, that's an orange. Oh, what is that? Oh, that's an orange. Oh, well, that one? That's an orange. So you say the same thing over and over. But he is now five or going to be five. He doesn't ask that question anymore. Now his youngest brother, now he's three years old, he asks us, what's that? What's that? I say, go ask your brother. 
You go ask your brother. And come here, answer his question 40 times. Go, go ask your brother. But they grow out of that. They, they grow out of the asking question stage because they found their answer. They found their hope. The psalmist puts it this way, and it's in your notes. Psalm 43, verse 5. The psalmist asks this question. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then he switches from the heart issue and the emotion to the thought process. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You know why the psalmist could switch from the emotional side of hurt to now the, the intellectual? Because we won't always feel hopeful. We know that there's hope in God. And so what the psalmist does is he says, oh, you know, I'm going to be discouraged. Yeah, my heart is going to be sad, but here's where I'm going to put my hope. I'm not going to put my hope in how I feel. I'm going to put my hope in what I know. I'm going to go from what I feel in my heart to what I know in my mind. I know God is my hope. And that's where many of us struggle because we go through the feeling of hopelessness, forgetting about the knowledge of who our hope is. And so he wants us to go from hurt to hope. And God can do that with us. There are many things that don't make sense in life. There are things in our lives right now that don't make sense. Things in our world that don't make sense. But don't go by what we see. Go by faith in what we know. That God is our hope. Because even when things are bad, God is still good. See, every single one of us, we can find hope from hurt. And here's how we do this. Here's the first thing. Believe God's word is true. Yeah, but I don't feel like it sometimes. It's okay. Belief doesn't always go by what you feel. It goes by what you know of. You believe because God has proven himself. And you go by his word because that is what is true. Whenever fear enters your heart, whenever you experience hurt or pain, believe in God's word. Jesus said it like this in John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying there's a change that must take place in the way we think because you're going to go through the ups and downs of emotion. So don't go by what you feel, go by what you know. That you trust God, you believe in God, so now believe in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. That troubled heart means to strike one's spirit with fear and dread. To perplex the mind of one by suggesting doubts. We all deal with doubts. We're going to feel the doubts. But go by what we know based on God's word. Believe that God's word is true. And when hurt enters your life and when doubt enters your mind, Jesus is saying, believe in my word. For him to say, believe in me, really is saying to be convinced of a command given. He's saying, believe in my word. When I said my word, you can believe in that. There's not one time that Jesus said his word that he didn't stand upon. See, I think we sometimes have doubts on people because they said something, but they didn't follow through with it. They gave a promise, but they broke it. They said, you can trust me, but then they broke their trust. And so now we don't have trust when a word is spoken, but Jesus' words, every word that he spoke, he stood upon. There's not one time that he was distrustful. He's faithful till the end. And so we believe that God's word is true over and over again. That's the context of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, keep believing in my word over and over again. Even when you have those feelings of doubt, 
you go back to my word. And even when you wake up in the morning and you feel like, oh, no, it's going to be another tough day, believe in my word over and over again. And we can do that because his mercy is on you every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We can put our trust in him. It means, when, when he says do not be troubled, it, it means do not let your heart become fearful with shudder. That you, 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 you shudder at things that are happening around you. He's saying, you, you believe in God, now believe in me. That my words will ring true. That we choose to believe in his word again and again and again. It was like that father with his child that was going to be healed. He said to Jesus, help my unbelief. It's because I, this is what I feel. But what I know, you got to help me there. I, I know what I should believe. Help my unbelief. Speak to yourself. Memorize scripture. Believe in God's word. I can't tell you how often that helps me, that memorizing scripture, uh, if you're stuck in a situation or you're going through a quick hurt, you know, someone said something unintentionally, you go back to his word and you recite his word over and over again, that your promises are sure like silver refined in a furnace seven times over. You can continuously say that over and over again, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when you're going through a difficult time, you just repeat his word we have great apps on our phones that can help you memorize scripture. I have one that reminds me every day on different scriptures, and it'll pop up. I'll look at it real quick, and I'll read it, and then I'll put it away. It's just that simple. And you do that over and over again because we will go through the pain of this world and the hurts. We need something to remind us over and over that there is hope. And here's something that will help tremendously. Here's the second thing. Because those who believe will go to heaven. This is what we need to understand. And as a believer, those who believe in Jesus will go to heaven. If you believe that he is the son of God, the Bible says you will go to heaven. There is a place that you and I have in heaven. You have God's word on that. That every believer will one day be with him in heaven. 1 John 5.13 says that these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God. That you may know... That's the mind that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That's the whole deal right there. You've got to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. It's a continuous process with the mind because sometimes we don't feel like we want to believe. We feel doubt. We feel pain. We feel hurt. But he says, here's hope for hurt. This is what I want to do. And so to know that you have heaven changes things it changes everything to know that we have eternity changes everything you know some of you record your favorite football game you know your, your your team so you record it so that you can be here in church but sometimes your friend will come up to you and say oh we're losing hey you don't tell me i like watch the game i, I you know i'm recording it oh, oh sorry sorry well how much are we losing by two touchdowns what what quarter third quarter oh my goodness oh man and then by the time service is done, you see one of your other friends, hey, we won, good job. You're like, oh, I wanted to watch the game. So do you go home and not watch the game? No, you still watch the game. You know who won. But I tell you, when come that third quarter and you're down two touchdowns, you still have hope, don't you? Why? Because you know you won. You could care less what happens in the game. You don't care if, oh, well, that guy got injured. That's okay. We still win. But, yeah, you're kind of bummed. But, yeah, you'll go through that. But when the third quarter is over, you're wondering, how are they going to come back? They're down two touchdowns. Better be in the fourth quarter. And then come down two minutes, you're like, wait a minute. How are they going to do this? But you have hope because you know they won. 
you and I, maybe in third quarter right now, you're down two touchdowns. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You don't know where the finances are coming from. You don't know how your relationships is going uh, to turn out. You don't know how your family is doing, your health and all of that. You're down, but you win. You're going to heaven. The end result of this life is you win. That's the outcome. So no matter what we're going through in life, you may be down right now, but you win. In the end, you and I win because we believe in the Lord. That's why he could continue and say, let not, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says this, and here's the comforting words. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You know who spoke that? Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if, if, if this weren't so, I would tell you plainly. Why? Because he can only speak truth. He said, I would have told you so. But I go to prepare a place for you. We have a place right now here on this earth. Some of us, we're in a good place. Some of us are not in a good place. Some of us have a home. Some of us don't. Some of us are renting. Some of us are, you know, we, we pay a mortgage. Some of us are homeless. Some of us live with someone. Whatever the case may be. But you have a place in heaven. Your own place. When you get to heaven, you're not living with your mom. You're not living with your dad. You're not living with your children. Not even living with your spouse. Stop smiling on that one. I'm just saying... You're not going to be, you have your own home in heaven. We see mansions here on this earth. And we see the pictures, some of us, that's our goal, that's our dream house. We put it up on our refrigerator, we say, that's what I want. But even those who are rich obtain that and they say, I'm still empty. There's something more. See, the mansion that we see here on this earth, we know what mansions look like, but that is built with temporary objects with human beings. This mansion is being prepared by the master carpenter, God himself. I don't know what our mansions will look like, but all I know is it'll be the best that it can be. It'll be greater, greater than what I can imagine. That's the hope we get to look forward to. You may not have keys here, but you will then. You may not have a home here, but you have there. You may not have a place to sit down and relax, but you will there. You may not have a place to call your own, but you will there. That's the hope that we get to look forward to. Yeah, people may brag about the things that they have, and you may not have as much, but when you get to heaven, you will have a lot. Because that's our hope. And I'm sure when we get there, we're going to love the, the mansion. We're going to love the place that God has prepared for us. But more than that, we're going to love being there with God. Because we're going to see him face to face. I mean, isn't that everyone's dream? We see everything. And, and now that we have internet, we can, we can see all over the world. We can travel to various places because of technology. We have not seen Jesus face to face. We have not seen God face to face. We have yet to see what heaven looks like. That's the hope that we get to look forward to. Heaven, on the other hand, is not everyone's final default destination. The Bible says it is for those who believe in the Son of God. See, if you believe in Jesus Christ, what that means is you believe in what he did for you and that he is the son of God that died for your, our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we could have a place in heaven. It's a perfect place. Our good deeds won't do it. In order for us to have our good deeds do a good job means we have to be better than Jesus Christ. 
But there is no one that is good, not one. He died on the cross not because we were good. He died on the cross because he is good. And so he brings us into eternity with him in a place called heaven so that we have hope in this world. That's where every believer ends up. Matthew 7, 13, it tells us you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. And although we go through changes in life, although the world will throw at us all kinds of junk, the gate doesn't change. It still doesn't change that this is how we get to heaven, that he wants to give us hope from hurt. It still doesn't change. We change, but he never does. One of his disciples was asking him questions, and he was saying, how, how do we get there? Because, yeah, if, if the gate is, is narrow, how do we get there? And Jesus, being so loving, he gave him the reassurance that he's going to come back. That you're going to be with me. Here's your third point. You can write this in. Even if the narrow gate seems difficult, here's the hope. Jesus will come back again. He will come back again. Now, we all kind of wonder what that's going to look like. You know, movies portray it, but we have no idea what it's exactly going to look like. We have some hints because of Scripture. But he will come back to this place on earth to take us to another place called heaven, paradise. That's what Jesus told the person on the, the cross with him. Remember when he was dying on the cross and there were two thieves next to him? One thief said, um, I, I, please remember me in the resurrection. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Heaven is a place. It's paradise. There's a city in heaven, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the Bible calls it. So it's a real place. We will see each other one day when we pass away. You're going to be able to see your loved ones who have passed on before you, who have given their hearts to Jesus. And I know some of you would say, but no, so-and-so, they didn't believe in Jesus. You don't know. They may not have acted like they believed in Jesus. They may not have said to you, I received Christ. But who knows on their deathbed what they have said to the Lord. So we don't know. And some of you say, well, we, will we recognize each other in heaven? Will we even know each other in heaven? Because some of you, you're saying, I don't like know this person in heaven. I don't want to know them. I, I want to forget about this person. You will recognize each other. We will know each other. Listen, when we get to heaven, we're going to be smarter, not dumber. That's hope for me already. That's hope right there. I'm going to be smarter than I am today. We get to see each other face to face. That's where Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you in John 14, verse 3, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's saying it plain and clear. One day we will be with Jesus, and we will see him face to face. You know, one of the apostles, Paul the apostle, who his life got changed by Jesus Christ, he became a spokesperson for the Lord, an instrument to be used by the Lord, and he wrote most of the New Testament books in the Bible. And one of the books that he read, uh, that he wrote, was the book of First uh, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians, when he went to Thessalonica, they were dealing with the same issues that you and I deal with: hurt. And how do we find hope from hurt? And they would ask, you know, so 
how, how do we know we're going to go to heaven? What, what would happen to us? I mean, will we see our loved ones one day? And, and what is heaven going to be like? When, and if Jesus does come back, what is that going to be like? Well, Paul answers them, and he says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from the grave. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Then he says, so encourage each other with these words. You know what Paul is saying? You're going to forget about this. You're going to forget that Jesus is coming back. You're going to forget about it because you're going to get caught up in the ways of the world. And you're going to forget that he's coming back for you. For those who believe in him, he's going to come back. And he's going to take you back where you're supposed to be, and that's in heaven. With the trumpet call of God, there's going to be a day when that happens. And you want to know Jesus before that day. You want to know him as your Lord and Savior before that day because he's coming back. And he's going to take us to where we belong, and that's with him in heaven. That day will come. You and I will experience that day. And we all say it like this, Jesus is coming soon. You know, my, grand, my great-grandmother, she would go to church and... Her husband, my great-grandfather, would not like going to church, but he would go because she needed a ride. He needed to take her. And so every time they would go to church, he would always mumble under his breath. I don't know why they go to church. I go to church every time. And every time you tell me Jesus is coming back, you know, come back yet. I don't know. Camera. Okay. So I would hear him say that over and over again. And then one day as they're going to church, he grumbles with my great-grandmother, and he says, every time you tell me, Jesus is coming back soon, Jesus is coming back soon, he never come back yet. At that time, my grandpa was about maybe 70 years old, somewhere around there, and I'm thinking, well, that's a long time that, yeah, Jesus is coming soon, because they were saying that even after Jesus died. They're saying his, his return is soon. Paul would say that his return is soon. That's 2,000 years ago. I'm thinking, how long is soon? How long do we wait for soon? Well, if you think about time, your soon and someone else soon is different, even in time. Honey, where are you right now? Almost home. Yeah, what time are you coming home? Pretty soon. Okay, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, it take them 20 minutes to get home, 10 minutes to get home, five hours later. Where you was? I told you I was coming home. But where you was? I told you I was coming home soon. Well, your soon is five hours. My soon is 15 minutes. Yeah, but I'm home. I could have been home three days ago. I could have been home three days from now. See, soon is kind of thrown up in the air. So when we talk about Jesus coming back soon, think about eternity. There is no time in eternity. So when we say Jesus is coming back soon, some people put a date on it. And the Bible says no one knows the time or day. This is what we know. And this is what we should focus on. The fact that he's coming back. We may pass on before he comes back, but the end result is the same. We're going to see Jesus face to face. Whether we pass on before he comes back or when we're still here. You see the hope that we have? It's a win-win situation. When you believe in him, it's a win-win situation. We don't have to worry about it. That's the hope every single believer has. And you may be hopeless right now and going through whatever you're going through, but Jesus says, I'm going to come back for you soon. It was Thomas, one of the disciples, that asked Jesus, how do we know? How to get there. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying that 
here's the narrow way, here's the broad way, and this is the way that leads to destruction, this is the way that leads to life. How do we even know how to get there? Like Thomas was thinking intellectually. He was trying to think of, okay, when you leave, how do we go? What happens? They've never experienced this before. So Jesus answers Thomas and he says this in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was plain and simple. He's saying, you don't have to worry about a path. You don't have to worry about going to a destination or a place or being at a certain place and saying that, okay, I believe that I'm supposed to be right here and you're going to come back and get me. He says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know what that tells me? You can be anywhere and Jesus gets you. You don't have to worry about that. You let him worry about coming to get you. You just concentrate on who he's created you to be and the hope that we have in him. And this is where repentance comes in. Here's the final thing. Repent and follow Jesus. This is very simple, insane, maybe difficult to do. But this is what repentance is all about. It's changing the way we think, changing the direction that we head that is far from God and turning around and heading back towards God. We repent from the things that we've done or the things that we're doing and then we say, God, I'm going to follow you. This is what I want to do. Every time you see a U-turn, think of repentance. That's what it is. It's changing the way you and I think and live and then following Jesus Christ. See, being a Christian is not about attending church or reading your Bible or serving, although great. It's about following Jesus Christ. That's what that's what it's all about. That's why we repented from our ways to now following his ways because when we received him, now he lives in us. Now we need a guide to follow him. And I need to be sorry for the sins I've committed and sorry enough to stop doing what I've been doing and to turn from it and then follow Jesus. There's no other way to come to the Father but through Jesus Christ. He paid a debt we owed. He paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we could not pay. And so he says, I'll pay it for you so that you can be with me forever. But I got to admit that first. I got to be the first to say, Lord, I've sinned against you. Make no excuse about it and then follow him. Here's the reassurance. Romans 5.8 tells us God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't wait for us to become good. Because how good is good enough for a perfect God? He says, I die for you while you were yet still sinners. That's the gift. We all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But the free gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. But this free gift is freely given. Imagine if someone gave you a gift. Think of the most expensive gift that someone could, bu could buy for you. Now, it's almost Christmas, so make that like your, your, your Christmas wish list present. That may not, Maybe someone won't be able to buy it because it's that expensive. Dream home, dream car, whatever. Just think of something tangible. Now, let's not get super spiritual and say, no, my family, that's all I need. That's good. But just for illustration's sake, think of the most expensive thing. And then if someone came to you, let's just say it was a house... And they gave you a small little box and they said, here's your dream that you've always wanted. And then you take the box and you shake it. It's like, what is that? Well, you got to open it up. 
It sounds like keys. Is it keys to my new house? Oh, man. How much was the house? It was 7.9 million. 7.9 million. Oh, this is a good house. Yep, the keys are in there. Awesome. Thank you. Put it right here because it's, it's that valuable. It's $7.9 million. I'm going to put it on the mantle. I'm going to decorate it, put nice little things around it, put a little light on it, and shine on it all day. I'll look at it all day. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. I love it. My friends will come over. You know what I got? I got a $7.9 million home. Why don't you open the gift? No, no, no. Too valuable. Too valuable. I'm going to keep it over here and shine a light on it. I'm going to look at it all day. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admire it. That gift has no value to you unless you open it. It has value in itself, $7.9 million, but it has no value to you. The death on the cross and what Jesus offers is value in itself, but it doesn't do anything for us if we don't repent and turn towards him. It doesn't do anything for us if we don't receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. It has value in itself, but we got to open the gift. And it's a free gift. I would be foolish not to open this free gift. I can do whatever I want with it. If I say too much for me, I can sell it. I can give the money away. I can give it away, whatever I want. But it holds no value to me unless I open the gift. I pray that today you would open that gift. Some of us may say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still dealing with certain things. I don't know if I can give my whole heart to Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible says, and I love how it clearly defines what God is saying. 2 Corinthians 6.2, For God says, At just the right time, I heard you. I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. He says, don't wait. Today is the day. When you come to Jesus, he exchanges his hope for your hurt. And when we come to him and when we repent, even as a Christian, there are still some hurts. But we change because we go from glory to glory to glory. I would want to encourage you to come to Jesus Christ. Make that exchange. Let him heal your hurt so that he can give you his hope. We're going to pray together if you would bow your heads with me. And we're going to pray for that. Lord, for some of us, we just, we have hurt in us. And we don't know how to be reminded of it over and over. But we want to, we want to be reminded of you over and over. That we will say again and again that we believe in you. That we would believe you at your word. That we have heaven as our destination. We have things to look forward to. And even though we go through hurts, you help us to find hope. For some of us, it's just a repentive heart. We've got to change our ways so that we can follow you. Otherwise, we'll experience the same hurt over and over. In fact, you might be a Christian this morning. Let me just speak to you as a Christian or a Christ follower, someone who follows Jesus Christ. And there may be hurt in you, and you're saying, Lord, there's some hurt in me, and I, 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 I need help in this. I don't know how to deal with this. Maybe you were hurt from something someone said or something someone did or maybe you've been hurt unintentionally that someone said something or did something and it just caused hurt. Well, Jesus wants to give you hope from hurt. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Lord, can you just change me from, from this hurtful situation to be hopeful? 
it's just an outward action that you're feeling on the inside. Would you just raise your hand just real quick? And it's just so that you can acknowledge that with the Lord and, and with yourself that, Lord, can you help me with this hurt? I, 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 I need you for this. It's beyond me. Good. You can put your hands down. There may be some of you here today, you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. And the word repentance comes to, to mind. That if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if that's you, would you just lift a hand today? You're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus. It's time. Today is the day of my salvation. I want to give my heart to the Lord today. It's not about everyone else. It's about what Jesus wants to do with me today. Good. Anybody else? You're saying yes to Jesus. Good. He sees your hand. He knows your situation and your heart. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together, all of us. Let's say it out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I repent. I will follow you as you guide me. Turn my hurt into hope. Thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.